Okay. Well, good morning. <laughs> that's, that's a vague hope that you might, you might at least have been awake at the beginning. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. Hey. Amazingly fast learner. <clears throat> Let's just pray. Father God, we do thank you for your presence here with us as we've worshipped you. We ask you to come now as we look at your word to speak to us, encourage us, and build us up. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is the uh, final part of a series of three, looking at what is the Bible. Um, how to, uh, we've looked at what is the Bible. We've looked last week at the story of the Bible. And this week, we're going to look at how to read the Bible. And it's to form the part of a course for new Christians joining the church, but we thought it would be good to run through it first with you all. So today is about how to read the Bible. Now, <coughs> words are really important to us. When we heard Carol's story of God's healing, we were encouraged. Um, when we were singing, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, we can do it, we were encouraged. Words are incredibly important. There's an old English phrase that goes, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. It's rubbish. It is absolute rubbish. I've spoken to people who've been in prison, who've been beaten, who've suffered quite unimaginably. But when they come for prayer, it's, some, it's because someone's called them no good. You won't succeed. And that's the bit that is stuck in their heart. And that's true. Words are so, so important. I remember <coughs> when uh, I left school at 16 and I went to a college of further education. In actual fact, the whole class had decided we would go to the college of further education rather than stay on at the new sixth form that our school was opening. So uh, I did it along with one other person as I discovered at the beginning of term when I turned up at the College of Further Education expecting my mates to be there and they'd all gone to school. But anyway, the College of Further Education, there were really old people there. You know, they were like 19, 20, 21. Whereas I was a little 16-year-old and I was a little 16-year-old. When I left school, I was one of the smallest in my class. And, uh, but the college had a football team. Well, I'd always played football. So they sort of put up, you know, <coughs> if you want to play this season, come along. So I came along to the football team and they looked at me and uh, they said, well, our game is next week. I said, well, I'd like to play. And they said, well, where do you play? And I say, left back. And they said this to me. Well, if nobody else turns up to play that role, we'll give you a game. <laughs> um, so anyway, <coughs> I have great belief in my own confidence in football. So I turned up, and fortunately for me, no one else turned up to play left back. So I was able to play. But the following day, <coughs> I walked into the student common room, and there were these 19 and 20-year-olds talking about the game the day before. And uh, the captain of the football team was talking to his vice-captain. They were just saying, well, what about the three new kids that turned up yesterday? And they just said, well, two of them, they ain't going to make it. But that little kid at left back, we want him. Now that was like these really old people, 1920. They were saying I was good. I've, I've believed that for the rest of my life. 
It has stuck there. It has stuck there. And been proved true on countless occasions. <laughs> but what we say is so important. And just, we're not going to deal with this in any fashion whatsoever, but that has, has huge ramifications to how we talk to our children, how we talk to one another, and how we talk to the world in which we live. Are we going to speak positive or are we going to speak negatively? Now, <coughs> what makes words more important is how much you respect the person, how close they are to you, how well they know you, and how much you feel they love you or you love them. So for me with the football guys, these were older people, these were new to me, but I respected and I wanted to win their opinion. So when they said I was good, I heard that. Now, this book, the Bible, is written by someone who knows you through and through. They actually know you slightly better than you know yourself. They know you a lot better than anyone else who knows you. They know your innermost thoughts. They were there creating you. They love you enormously. And they are Lord of Lords and King of Kings. So they are, they are worthy of all our respect. So these words in this book are incredibly powerful. They have changed it, these words have changed countless thousands of people's lives. They have changed nations. When they're ignored, nations have fallen. When they are embraced, nations have been transformed. This is an incredibly powerful book. <coughs> 1 Timothy 4.13 Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing to Timothy, says this, Until I come, focus on reading the Scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it says, All Scripture, all the Bible is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Matthew 4.4, 4, Jesus quoting uh, Moses in Deuteronomy says this, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And Hebrews 4 chapter 12, verse 12 says this, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So the Bible is important. And it's important that we know it and we read it. So the big question is, where do you start? Well, the simple answer is not at the beginning and not at the end but roughly two-thirds through is a good place to begin. As we said in the, the first preach, the Bible is a series of books, series of letters. It's poems, it's history, it's prophetic, it's story. It's all there, but it is not necessarily in chronicle order, nor is it helpful to read it 
for the first time from start to finish because the Bible reveals Jesus Christ. The Bible reveals what Jesus has accomplished for us. The Bible tells us how we can be, re be restored to a relationship with God. And so the best place to start when you start reading the Bible is to start reading about Jesus. And that comes about two-thirds of the way through in what's called the New Testament um, in one of the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And to read any of those is the best place to start. The book of Acts, which is the fifth book, is uh, the story of the early church and is a great second book to read. So that's a good place to start. But how do you get to know the Bible? I was very fortunate when I was about 11, someone offered a prize worth winning to learn all the books of the Bible in order. Good idea, Vic. Make it a prize worth winning. <coughs> and actually, because it was worth winning, I learnt them. I mean, I didn't read the inside of them, but I learnt the books. <coughs> and generally speaking, I can still, I'm not going to do this, okay, <laughs> Generally speaking, I can get the first three books of the Bible right. <laughs> no, I can get about 60% of them. Um, but it does help to find the way around. So a really good place to start, strangely, in reading the Bible is to look at the contents page. And it just gives you the list um, in order of the books the Old Testament, which is the older part, and the New Testament, which is the new part. It's a bit obvious, really, isn't it? <laughs> the Old Testament tells us, leads up to Jesus. The New Testament is Jesus and uh, beyond. And it's just worth having a look at that and getting used to it and finding your way around because the Bible is divided into these books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, etc. And just finding out where they are is uh, really, really helpful. And if we can convince Vic to give us a prize worth winning, we may even get a few people to learn every book of the Bible. <coughs> so see how it's laid out. Now, I'm, I'm a little bit geeky with my Bibles. I've had this one since 1994, which um, helps, me helps me find places in it and also means that I've looked after it. Um, when I was a new Christian, um, all the Christians I knew had very old Bibles. So when I got my new Bible, I stood there literally every day for about 10 minutes going, <laughs> trying to rub all the gold off the pages. <laughs> And making it look, so when I walked into a room, everyone did think, oh, here's a new one. <coughs> but anyway, that's not a good thing to do. <laughs> but I've, I've looked after it. See how it's laid, see how it's laid out. Now, lots of Bibles, um, you will find, <coughs> remember, this is for new Christians, so I know lots of you know all this, but I'm just going through it. Um, you, your Bible is divided into two pages like that. It's the only book you will read that has a column down the middle. I've no idea why they do it. I had to send someone to America to buy me this Bible. <laughs> it's, I, I don't know why. It's just every other book you read is like this. Why don't they print Bibles like this? If you're a Bible publisher out there, please, let's have more written like ordinary books. 
Lots of you are now going to look at your Bible to see, aren't you? <laughs> you see, I don't remember it being like that. But you open your Bible and most of you will have two columns. Why? I do not know. <coughs> and to be fair, I've never bothered to find out either. The next thing is, what version do you use? Now, <coughs> I've never understood Shakespeare um, for two reasons. One, I've only ever read half a play of it, and it was so confusing to me, I couldn't make head tail of it. And the second, it just seemed like a lot of hard work. But Shakespeare is largely written in Old English, <coughs> and occasionally you get an updated version of it. Well, the Bible was written in Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic, which isn't even English, and was written a very long time ago. And so language is constantly changing. And so there have had to be constant updates of the Bible to make it relevant in whichever language you speak. Um, strangely, I, tr I tried to buy an, a sort of relatively up-to-date French Bible. Just throwing, it just, just keeps you interested to sort of have some family news. And it's really difficult to get an updated French Bible. It's like they're all old French. But it's hard enough learning new French. Who wants to read old French? Um, <coughs> So anyway, that's just by the by. Whereas in English, we have hundreds. And some of them are translations, and some of them are written in more colloquial language. If you're going to buy a Bible for the first time, you want to get a translation rather than a colloquial one. Because a colloquial one, um, which means in sort of uh, really up-to-date in language, will go out of date so quickly. Um, and whether it's the rhyming slang version of the Bible or <laughs> the other day, because I had to do some research from this, and it's really, part of it is really, really depressing. I went to sort of Bibles. So up comes this website, The Man's Bible. <laughs> you're like, is it big print, dirty, great big book? You've got to be really big. The Woman's Bible. The children's Bible, that one I can understand. This one went right over my head, and as it's Valentine's Day, I will mention it. The Holy Singles Bible. <laughs> and I just thought, before I got married, there is no way I would walk into the church with the Holy Singles Bible. <laughs> it's like, what's it got in it? so tempting to buy it just to see what were the highlighted verses I don't know but anyway there are a number of versions like <coughs> there's the old very well-known King James version which is written in Old English so they've done a new King James version which is written in Old English but new <laughs> the new international version which is uh, what we've used a lot of the new living translation um, which is of which is the verses I've read from here, is actually a very, very good one. Um, <coughs> it is, there was a living Bible, which was not a translation, but it was basically a guy, a, part, a guy writing what he thought the English version said in modern language. So rather than going back to the original Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic and saying, what do these words mean? How do we put this into English? He just took an English Bible and rewrote it into English that he could understand. <coughs> but the New Living Translation is actually a translation from the original Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic, and is excellent. There's a 
book called The Message, which is the Bible in modern English. Um, again, it's quite good. The translation is by far the best ones to get. But it is good also to have many, to have a couple of Bibles with different versions so that you can read through, so you can get a broader understanding of what is said. Because there is a challenge when you're translating from Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. Because languages don't always perfectly correlate. So there are, <coughs> particularly in the Psalms, written in Hebrew, there's, there's praise and worship that in English just doesn't come out. It's like um, sometimes uh, you are great and majestic. It's like in Hebrew, it's your wonderful, magnificent, your you're beyond comprehension. It's just much bigger than the English words we're able to use. And to use several translations sometimes bring that out. You can actually see it <coughs> several times a month probably in uh, City Hope when people say things to someone like, will you come round for, for tea? Now we all know what that means. It means you can come round for a cup of tea. You can come round for tea, which will be sandwiches, or you can come down for tea, which is really dinner, which is lunch at evening time. <laughs> now, we all know that. So no one ever says, well, what do you mean by coming round for tea, do they? I've only ever had, th I've only ever had that said to me um, probably once or twice a month. So what do you actually mean when you're inviting me for tea? Because in English, we have so many different um, words for come round for lunch, dinner, tea. And dinner is a great one because it can be dinner at lunchtime or it can be lunch at dinner time. <laughs> <coughs> and that's why it's good to have a number of translations to look at. Now, <coughs> over on the table over there, by the red suitcase, there's a selection of books. They're all mine. I've counted them, and I want them all there when I come back. <laughs> <laughs> and they're a selection of resources which you can look at, but not take. You can, however, you can, however take a, copy, uh, a revised copy of my notes. They're the new international notes that I'm preaching from. Um, so they're shortened verses, and so they have the verses and several other stuff. And the resources are there. Some of those books I will mention later on. But how do you actually come to read the Bible? Well, the first thing you want to do when you come to the Bible is to pray. John 6, 63, John, um, Jesus says, The words I speak are spirit, and the Holy Spirit will teach you. The Bible is so much more than just words. They're words that God has spoken and that God wants to speak to us. And he, can, he ignites them with his Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, the words that I speak, they're not just words. They are spirit. And the Holy Spirit will teach you. So you want to ask the Holy Spirit, come, teach me this. <coughs> Matthew 24, 35, Deuteronomy 8, 3, Jesus quoting it, says, Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. Amen. Ephesians 6, 17 says, Paul writes, Put on the salvation, put on as... <laughs> I'll just read what I've actually written. 
<coughs> this is what happens when you've learned one version of the Bible and you have written down another version of the Bible. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then Psalm 119, 18, which is just an excellent verse just to read before you read your Bible. Open my eyes to see wonderful truths in your instructions. And just to come to God and say, open my eyes that I might see wonderful truth from your instructions as I read today. So you want to start with prayer. <coughs> Secondly, you need time to read your Bible. Now we are all incredibly different. We're different in the way that we learn. We're different in the time we wake up. Some of us wake up at 6 in the morning. Some of us get up at 7 in the morning and wake up at 12 in the morning. Some of us wake up at 10 at night. Some of us wake up at midnight. So don't think you have to read the Bible at a particular time. You want to read the Bible at a time that you are awake. But what you do want to do is try and make it regular. The bad news is, I read this week in a paper, in the newspaper, that it takes about 66 days to form a habit. Other papers said it took 21. They're the ones I'm going for. <coughs> but the 66 days said, no, the 21 is fine as long as you don't want to make it to 23. <laughs> so it's 66 days. So you need a regular pattern of reading your Bible. I read mine. Um, just after I've had breakfast. Um, this is slightly embarrassing. Just so, you know, I, I get up in the morning, I make breakfast, I bring breakfast back, to bed, back into bed with my wife, we have breakfast in bed together, I then read my Bible and then we read together. <coughs> um, it's because Leslie and I are so different, I have to read the Bible on my own before I can read it with her. It's just the way I tick. It's a bit weird, but there you go. <coughs> that's, that's how I do it. So every morning, I make breakfast, eat breakfast, and then I read my Bible. That's how I do it. And that makes it work for me, um, except when we get up very, very early in the morning to catch a flight. But apart from that, so you want a regular time that is good for you. How long do you read? And that, again, is up to you. If you're just starting out, three or four minutes, great. I, I'm not a great reader. <coughs> um, it's funny, I've just been fortunate. I've got a new car two weeks ago, and a friend of mine also got a new car. <coughs> a slight difference between our two, the ways we've handled it. My friend has read the manual. This is how the new... Now, my car was like 13 years old, I think, 12, 13 years old. And it's amazing how much has changed in that time in cars. So he's read the manual. I sat in the front seat and said, I wonder what this button does. Dum, dum, dum. What does this do? Dum, dum. And then one bit I just couldn't get to work and I had to read the manual. <coughs> but it, but that, that's the way I work. So I can't actually read the Bible for very long because it just doesn't fit in. But I can read lots of bits of it during the day. Others of you would love just sitting down and reading lots of it. It's up to you, but it, what is important is regularity 
and a regularity of time. And also, it's helpful to do it in the same place. I say, I always do it in bed. Um, I have a friend, he always does it in a certain chair in his house and uh, at a certain time. And everybody in his house knows when he sits in that chair at that time, do not disturb. I'm reading my Bible. And that's the way he has built in the habit of reading the Bible. Then when you do read, you have certain questions to ask. What is it that I'm actually reading? Is it history? Is it a song? Is it prophetic? Is it a parable? So if it's history, I, just, I can read it. <coughs> there are some verses on the notes. I'm running out of time already. If it's history, you, you can read it. You can say, yeah, okay, what was God doing at this time in history? If it's a song, you know songs, they contain truth, but they also contain po poetic license. And so one of the verses in here talks about the earth being built on four pillars. Well, we know that's not true. But what we do know is it is built on the fact that, that God has created it and he holds it together and he holds it in place. And that is the pillar under which the, which the world is held up. Whether it's prophetic, whether it's parable, what's God saying? Then ask some questions. What does this verse say about God? What does it say about me? And what must I do? Or looking back to last week when we talked about the Bible being understood, if you think about creation, rebellion, promise and redemption, what does this say about the creator? What does it say about my rebellion? What does it say about the promises? And what does it say about my redemption? Just asking questions. Take some time to listen to God. Make notes, possibly. Again, some people love making notes, some people don't. I used to, when I first became a Christian, I took a piece of paper like this with lines on and I folded it like this. So I, had, I, I write small, which had an advantage. Okay? So that's a lined piece of paper. <coughs> so when I read my Bible on Monday, I used that square. When I did it on Tuesday, I used that square. Wednesday, that one. Thursday, that one. Friday that one, Saturday that one, that one was Sunday, and this was my list of things to pray for the week. It worked really well. Just throw that out there. Won't even charge you for that one. <laughs> Just worked really well. That's the way I did it. So you can read your Bible. <coughs> you want to study your Bible. Um, that takes a little bit more time, and the books are a little bit bigger. Um, there's some over there. Um, you can study it, you can study a book, you can study a subject like the Holy Spirit, you can study a theme like bread. If you, just, if you just look at the word bread through the Bible, it's just incredibly interesting. Best not to do it when you're fasting, but other than that, it's a, just take a theme like that. Take light, take priesthood, take a theme. Or, um, so you can take a book, a subject, a theme, and again, time to suit you. Thirdly, so you can read it, you can study it, or you can meditate. Meditating on the Bible is just incredibly useful. <coughs> Secular or 
other religious meditation is about emptying yourself out so that something else can fill you. Biblical meditation is taking a passage, a verse or a story and just marinating in it. So you take a verse like Philippians 4.13. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And you just let that go through your mind again and again and again and again. I, this is speaking about me. It's not speaking about other people. I can do. I can do what? I can do all everything. I can do everything. That's daft. No, I can't. But I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. And you just spend half an hour sitting down, marinating in that verse. And it will transform your life. And you can take that on many, many verses. So you can read, you can study, you can meditate. Just let the word of God sink deeply and richly into you. (coughs) You can memorize Some people are very good at memorizing um, verses. Um, Paul Whittles is a great example. Say a verse and he's like, yep, that's 1 John 15, 37. Well, actually it's not because that doesn't come into 1 John, but I just thought, (laughs) that was just a test. (coughs) I am useless at memorizing verses, um, but I'm very good at memorizing stories because I have a mind that, remembers stories. I can remember the whole. I find it difficult to remember the little bit. Some people are good at memorizing the little bit. Some people are good at memorizing the story. Again, find out what is good for you and then apply it to the Bible. Memorizing can help. There are, um, I've put on the page some one or two verses that can get you through a lot of difficulties. Psalm 62, verse 1 and 2. I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, where I will never be shaken. You're at work and your boss is giving you a really hard time and telling you you're rubbish and you should be working a lot harder. To be able to come and say, hang on a minute, I'm waiting quietly before God. For my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock, my salvation, my fortress, where I will never be shaken. Yeah, I can take, I can take the criticism from my boss where it's valid, but where it's just him having a bad day, her having a bad day. No, my confidence is in God and he is my rock. And you let, you're able to stand on top of that. As I say, over there I've put a number of resources. There are commentaries which are books written about the books in the Bible. They're generally about 10 times longer than the actual book, and they give a lot of people's opinion. Some of them are very good. Some of them are are not so good. They're only good ones over there. (coughs) One of the most useful books I had, um, it's still out. Mine's an old one. You can get a new one. It's called The New Bible Dictionary, and it's great because it's got loads of pictures in. (laughs) But it also... 
if you want to know um, stuff about the Bible, you sort of look up pottery and it gives you a whole lot of stuff about pottery, gives you the book, gives you an outline of the book, all of that, etc., etc. Then there are concordances which help you find the verses and words in the book. There's study guides, there's theology books. But one of the great things about the Bible was it was written in a language which didn't use vowels or punctuation. So it was text writing before texts were invented. And for most of Christian history, the way people heard their Bibles was they heard it. We are pretty unusual in Christian history in having Bibles to read. And actually today, with so many Bible applications on our phones and tablets, we are listening to the Bible again. And this is not new, it is what, how most of Christianity has heard the Bible. And so to be listening to your Bibles is um, an excellent thing on the tube. So when I say read the Bible, you can sit on the tube, hear the Bible. That's how most of Christianity has done it anyway. Do it. It is excellent. Um, there's several, again on the notes, um, applica web applications, um, things like Bible Gateway, Olive Tree, YouVersion, Glow Bible. You can look them up. There are sermon podcasts. There are blogs, etc., etc. Words are very important, and the Bible contains the most powerful words. And I'd like us, I'd, can we have the band back very quickly? And in a minute, we're going to sing the song that we did with Yes, Lord, Yes, Lord, Yes, We Can. It's all right, Tim, you can move quickly. It's, people are going to notice. <coughs> back in uh, about 1991, someone said to me, <laughs> they were trying to be encouraging. Um, I was just praying about where we were going at church at the time and they said well let's face it Dave you are never going to lead a church over a hundred you're going to be a very good local pastor that's what you're going to be and uh, over the next 18 months we battled and battled and battled to get over a hundred people and I didn't understand why and then I think it was a prayer and fasting in New Frontiers um, they're asking people to pray for people and I was talking to someone, I said, you know, it's funny. I was just told I wouldn't get the church over 100, and we're really struggling. And then he just prayed. And he said, well, what were you told? I said, well, I wouldn't get the church over 100, and I'll be a good local pastor, which was a little confusing, because all the verses I was reading at the time were saying I was going to travel the world. And he said, well, hang on a minute. Let's break that curse and take you to what God wants for you. And in a matter of two or three months, we'd gone through 100, and over the next year, we grew to 150, 160. It was amazing. So first of all, I would like to pray. If you can remember things that people have said that have held you back, and remember that people are li most likely people you respect, people that you love, and they may even have been your friends at school years ago. If you know you've had negative things said about you, you won't achieve, you're never going to make it, you're, you know, you're never going to marry, you're never going to do this, you're never going to do that, you won't achieve too much. If you know that, if you'd just like to stand up now and I'd like to pray for you. If there's no one, that's fine, but I didn't think there would be. Father, as we stand before you, we declare that Christ has redeemed us from the curse. Amen. 
by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham was that through Abraham every family on earth would be blessed. Might come, that this blessing might come. And in the name of Jesus, I want to break the power of these negative words, Lord Jesus. I want to break their power and bring the blessing of Abraham to these individuals. Father God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we say break these negative words and bring the positive blessing of Abraham upon these men and women in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We break the curse and bring the blessing of Abraham.